Sepp Kuss has arrived and more than that. Brent Buchwald are just behind as uh, he gets the 300 meter mark. In fact, are they going to deny him at the very last? Couldn't take the uh, high five from the crowd. He gets out of the saddle. It's come to him the terrain as they start to count mass behind because he's uh, the better climber of just about everybody. And when it comes to dipping the uh, uh, dipping into his resources, this is a man who seems to have no limits. It's been the case throughout this race, and he's displaying it right now. Still, Brent Buchwald pushes on. He wants the bonus seconds. Indeed, that could be oh sorry important but it's another stage victory for set course and more than that it's the title chapeau sir brilliant at work welcome to another edition of the between two wheels podcast this is tyler yonke coming to you once again with chris flower chris how you doing today i'm doing pretty good Pretty good. How about yourself? Good. Um, I'm disappointed that our buddy Kurt's not with us. He seems to flake out a little more often than not now. He's got obligations. It sounds like he's starting up like a, a hostel or something in his in his house. So he's got to <laughs> sweep the, the hallways, I think. That, that is true. And then last week we found out he uh, wasn't replying to us because we're very needy. And he had a broken screen on his phone. So that, at least that was one of his excuses. He does have a lot of excuses. He does. He's, he kind of gets... Uh, out of cell range at times too, so I think he's just doing his own thing. Right. Well, either either way, you and I are here. We've had a little lapse in some of the uh, trying to be up on a weekly. This is a semi-weekly podcast, mostly weekly. We're trying to get there. Look, we have lives. I know you've been busy. We had bad, you know, we had bad air quality. Um, we did, which just kind of skipped out on us now. So it's much better. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I feel better. Um, I was really bummed because that really hit us hard. What last week? It was high, if not really high the week temperature as well. And poor air quality, so it really uh, impacted my my ability to get out and ride. Unfortunately, yeah. Did you have effects from? I know a few weeks ago we rode with Kurt, and he was like laid out. I mean, he was he was not doing well after immediately thereafter. I I didn't feel like I had those kind of effects, like stomach. There was a few times it was kind of weird, but um, breathing wasn't horrible. I don't know. What about you? I, I didn't really feel like that hit me too bad. I think it was just kind of. Adding to the existing difficulty of riding in the heat, I don't do that great when it gets that hot. Um, so adding in the poor air quality, I think probably just just adds to that negative experience. Well, I'll say one thing. So a uh, coach Nate Dunn sent me a clip. We'll add it in and later later on the show. It's uh, riding in poor air quality. So timely, timely, and stay tuned for that and get a little little addition. Okay, so what's coming up? We're gonna uh, re- you know there's so many races out there, Chris. You and I talked about it. Even if we were having some real high uh, intense research for a show, it would be a little too much for this one. So, I mean, we have so many world tour events, uh, domestic stuff going on, local stuff going on. So we're going to talk about Tour Utah recap, talk about who's the best upcoming USA rider, kind of came out of that. Some tragedy in the world tour, um, transfers in world cycling. We got some teams maybe closing shop, uh, Colorado Classic. Um, men's and women's, they had a men's and women's edition, uh, some NorCal stuff, Dunnigan road race, Sassoon, a lot, a lot. Yeah. The Vuelta's coming up. So we'll get yeah. into all of that. The Vuelta. Oh man. I know. Just when you thought the end was I here, thought we could take a break here. Well, we can, you can always take a break because okay. then what happens is you just have me, <laughs> me <laughs> solo. This is why we, I want someone in here to, uh, to, to get some better perspective gotcha. on things. So, and you know, Hey, you know, one of these times we're going to have to talk a little bit about your involvement in the sport and uh, really talk about what who is Chris Flower in with cycling. Do you want to talk about that right now? Or you I, want to, bike it's, it's a short story. Sometimes I ride my bike 
rarely do I race. We should recap people. It. If we have new listeners, which hopefully we do. I'm Tyler. I've been racing since I was like 15, 16 years old. Took about a 10-year hiatus. Back on the bike. Been loving it since about 2012. I really enjoy Masters racing. That's pretty much what I do. And we do group rides. Chris? Uh, different story. I, uh, I got into bike racing in about 2013. And that saw me get into Masters racing pretty quickly because I started at an older age. And I enjoy the occasional race, but I really do enjoy just getting out doing a race ride because it's convenient, close to home, and it's a better use of uh, time in terms of efficiency. So Yeah, and then uh, Kurt, his involvement, it was he was uh, looking for a way to cut some weight, I think. He'd been kind of an athlete and then kind of a eater. I don't know, an athletic eater. I think so, yeah, and, competitive. <laughs> yeah, and then he got into cycling, and um, he's a great guy, and, and he has a lot of good insight. So our involvement is we have a lot of stuff going on in the local scene. Uh, we're involved in that, uh, but we also love the world tour and the pro cycling, and so kind of mishmash of knowledge, and there we have it. All right, Tour Utah, do you have a chance? I know I watched it all. I, I, I thought it was pretty exciting. I think you have kind of three big races in the U.S. now, obviously Tour California, Utah and then Colorado Classic. And you know, the big money the high ranking one is uh, Amgen. Right. And then Utah and Colorado. And I think in that order of I think prestige. So. Yeah, cuz Colorado had to change their model a little bit. They were something before the Colorado Cycling Classic. It was the I don't remember. Yeah, I uh, it had a different name. Grand Funk Railroad something you, like that. Yeah. But they they changed their model I think to fewer stages and yeah. then they did it with kind of a, a central hub and kind of starting all races in that location to try and minimize cost and Yeah, I definitely agree that the the tier of significance would be Amgen then Utah then Colorado. I think Utah and Colorado used to be flip-flopped, but that's changed over the past 2 years. Right. And uh, honestly, the one I probably enjoy watching the most other than you, you know California is Utah. And I think it's the intent. It's, it's more like those early season, uh, Basque country one week stage races that are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you get the funny hat when you win and the, and the, the, trident and stuff what do you win at utah do you get anything well i don't mean for that reason i know but just in general i I didn't see uh, any of the podium i i don't don't know Uh, we'll have to find out there you know there i did see something they had a little trophy of something i don't know we'll have to look that up if someone knows they can send it in but i mean as far as the intense climbing i mean right uh what do you have sep cuss wins three stages was it yeah and he's nothing but a climber and and that's what i have some nasty steep long climbs there so it's pretty cool for that for that reason to have high elevation shorter stages so it's just boom intensity right let's go right so we'll talk about that uh which the the what we had there was uh sep cuss ends up well the first one was a uh, a prologue time trial right shorty it was six k thereabouts because it was like 13 14 minutes i think was a winner right it was kind of uh not really climb out, but I'd say it was like, uh, what, 3% going out and turn around and come back in? Yeah, something like that. And you had uh, them using um, Merck-style bikes. Right, which is cool. Which is cool. And they did the same thing in Colorado, which I think is cool for bringing those teams over if yeah. you want to do that. You know, just don't disadvantage some of them and allow them to come over and, you know, actually be competitive. Uh, and, and we'll talk about Colorado, but the, the, the time trial there, you saw the winner's time was I want to say about six minutes from what TJ had put up a few years ago. Same course? Same course. Hmm. It's the standard Vail time trial. They've been using it way back since Greg LeMond was using it. And the, the fast time of T, is TJ owns it. Uh, 
but I think that's the difference you see with a time trial bike because yeah. there are some flat sections kind of rolling to begin with before they get into the power and it's a power climb. Yeah. So anyway, and TJ, I think going the, uh, the prologue at Utah. So maybe that's something he should try and hone in on is that, that either that prologue or time trials and maybe let this stage racing thing. Uh, yeah. So fade away. Well, let, well, let's talk. So TJ gets that McCabe gets uh, a sprint win. you're thinking, okay, this is going to happen. And then, I'm trying to remember the the, general, the the younger kid, the action kid, uh, won the next sprint stage just barely over. Um, yeah, uh, he, over he almost won the one against McCabe. They had a little bike throw, and yeah. McCabe took him there. But I think it was Jasper. I forget his last name. He just signed with one of the big teams. Uh, we'll have to look that up. But yeah, that was a, that was a really good uphill sprint finish too. I think they were like leaning into each other, and um, I think the UHC leadout guy ended up just right. stopping. 10 yards from the, uh, from the finish line and a couple guys crashed into the back of him. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had, uh, Sup Cuss going on the move. Jasper Philipson. Yep. Sir. Yep. You did good job. Who yeah. did he sign with? Do you know? I forget. Well, uh, that doesn't help us. I can find out for you. Uh, and then, and then you have Sup Cuss and his lotto team, um, basically. And then he takes three states, three wins in the climbs. Uh, the first one being a little more of a daring ascent out, when he wasn't you know, the expected guy. Cause I think at that point you're thinking, Oh, TJ, you know, book Walter and some of these guys, these, he just comes off of the tour. Um, this is kind of what you expect for, for a race for him to, to be able to go out and, and really dominate. But the domination was Sep Cuss takes a long range win. And then he takes the next two and, and both of the, the two that he won, uh, stage six and seven, I think, or the, anyway, the Saturday, Sunday were from the bottom of the climb. Right. Yeah. He just, said i'm going try and keep up right and really nobody could i think the guy who was closest to even offering him a challenge was ben hermans and even that was just kind of holding on at best right and ben hermans of the israel cycling academy formerly of bmc he did a good job and he's yeah. he's had some good results he's no um he, he he's he's a good stud in his own right so it's nothing to shake a stick at but what was interesting that you saw with the lotto team was really young. I think there was one rider in, on the team that was like 34, 35, and then everyone else was 20, 22, right, right, right in that range. Yeah. So they had a young team and they really came out and you saw Nelson Palace doing some work for Sep, uh, Dane Oliver, the other uh, rider on the team that was in a break early on. Um, he did a lot of work on the front as well. And it was cool to see this young team that's expected because they're world tour right. capable come out and, and actually do something. So contrast that with another world tour team that you expect to do something, two of them, which is BMC right. and EF Education First. Yeah, BMC just was kind of absent. I don't know what they were expecting to do. Obviously, with TJ getting into the yellow on stage one, my guess is they plan to defend it throughout the rest of the race. But the first difficult stage, TJ just kind of fell off the map. I mean, he he was struggling to to hang with the attackers, the climbers, and then he just kind of fell in with the Peloton for the rest of the race, which is definitely a bummer. And I think education first, they tried, and it looked like they were pretty well organized for for quite a bit of the the stages. Um, they had their, you know, Sky-esque lead-out train going up the climbs, but then it was just Sepkos decided, okay, I'm just going to go and ride away from everybody. And what do you do in that situation? I mean, you've got your best guys out there. Well, with the exception of like Iran, but you've got Mike Woods out there and, and teammates and Cus is just riding away from them. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it, it, it was weird to see in a sense yeah. because he, he really put the hammer down on him and it didn't look like he was having to do a lot of like, 
uh, I don't know. I'm sure he was doing a lot of work because I know he was, but I mean, it didn't look like he was over the top. Like, no, he just looked like he was really comfortable. Right. Yeah. Very comfortable and having a good time. So I enjoyed that. Um, any, we, we'll bring this into, cause we heard the news also at the same time of Adrian Costa. Yeah. So you want to talk about kind of what we heard about that and then kind of some of the discussions that we had from our last podcast till now about American riders. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, you know, we know Costa stepped away from cycling after, was it, uh, Gila last year? Well, I thought it was, no, cause he didn't race last year. Okay. It must've been the year before. Yeah. Uh, so he's taking a break, kind of re rediscovering himself and, and figuring out what he wants to do. But obviously given his past racing experience, he's a heck of a talent. So it sounds like he was doing, um, kind of a, a hike or technical scramble in around Yosemite a couple weeks back. Um, was climbing up toward a, a rock wall to do some climbing boulder fell down and, uh, pinched his leg up against another rock. And he was basically stuck there until some other climbers came by and found him. They were able to, you know, collectively work with forest service and get him airlifted to a hospital in Reno. And I mean, ultimately he had to have his leg amputated above the knee. And obviously that ends his professional cycling career. Uh, it's, it's going to be difficult to come back from, from that. I suppose he could go alternate routes or something like that. But yeah, it definitely is a blow to him on many levels, unfortunately. Yeah. Not, I mean, on many levels. So, I mean, uh, and you know, we were talking, then we were talking kind of about, uh, American talent, you know, Nielsen, uh, obviously Sep kind of comes to the fore as, you know, massive breakthrough. I mean, yeah. what, two years of, of basically racing. He was with the, uh, was it the Harley Davidson team or yeah, the Baddeley Harley. Yeah, team. exactly. And then boom up to a rally. rally and he did really well at Colorado last year, kind of yeah. was, in, you know, good. And then gets a chance with Lotto and look what he's done. He hadn't done anything up until this point did individually. He, did he do California? He did California. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, mid pack as far yeah. as, but you know, he was doing work right there for, um, uh, well, he had Nelson and I'm trying to remember the other tiny little guy that, that's on their team as well. The did, did the tour, but so he was doing work and he was doing work early on for his team and yeah. you know, the, the early season stuff. So he didn't really get a chance and a breakthrough. And yeah, I think, yeah, what we've talked about is just who's going to step in and kind of fill the void of the kind of right. the TJ generation. Right. And I think it was, you know, Costa was kind of marked as as the guy to to be the next LeMond, so to speak. And obviously that's not going to happen now. So it, it's it's cool to see somebody like Cus kind of just jump right in and, and have such a great performance. And I think his performance at Utah got him tagged to go race the Vuelta. Correct. And it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, he's not going to be a leader in that race, but it'll be cool to see how he can kind of hang with those those bigger riders and bigger teams for three weeks instead of one. Right. And back to Adrian, kind of the interesting part there was, you know, when he decided that he was going to take some time off and then he was still on the roster for last year, I think, or this year, maybe it was last year. We'll have to get the I think it was last year. Um, so when he was still announced for the uh, to be on the roster, but then he wasn't actually racing. Yeah. Um, but it was a worldwide news story. It wasn't just us here in the States that had interest because this kid was, he was so phenomenal and he had so much talent and potential that, I mean, he, uh, was a stagiaire for, um, quick step, right. Which he didn't have a good time. I think he wrecked the first time out and some other problems. But the point is he was such a big potential talent that this was a news story across the world of cycling 
him not racing. And then obviously the tragedy that, that bestowed him with the leg issue, uh, which is, you know, you just, I, I, he had a GoFundMe page and, right. and, and I, I don't know if you heard about the amount. Did he get more than the velodrome? That's the, that's the, the, the threshold. <laughs> what was the velodrome? Velodrome was like 250. I don't remember. I just saw something today where, uh, Craddock had, and uh, they had enough to build it, I guess. So. Okay. Yeah. I think when I last looked at, um, Adrian's page, it was somewhere around 110,000. So I think their goal was a hundred. So they exceeded that, which is good. Yeah, goal, but you know that's still going to be a long, long haul ahead. You know, it reminded me, and, and you have a connection too. Phil Zajacek, um, guy I'd raced with out in Colorado, and then a friend of yours who had been teammates with him at USA Cycling a few years ago. He was coming down to climb a Flagstaff and got hit by a car, and they had to amputate the arm. Right. And I haven't heard any follow up on that. I mean, that's that's a obviously another tragic thing to lose a limb is pretty and i kind of thinking with this one maybe uh cycling tips one of these teams could uh our news outlets can go and do a little follow-up and see how see how he's doing yeah that'd be interesting to hear how he's adapted to life all right so utah was interesting uh any other breakouts that you saw there that or notes uh, it, woods was a little disappointing to me I, I was surprised that everybody was as disappointing as they were with the exception of Kuss. Um, it was cool to see Jack Haig do well from Mitchelton Scott. Right. I know he's gearing up for, for the Vuelta. So it looked like he kind of did what he could to, to hang with Kuss as long as he was able to and then saved it all for the last stage. And read some some comments from him after the last stage where he said the descent into, where were they descending into? Was it Park uh, City. Park City. He said it was probably one of the most terrifying descents he's ever done. He said it was not fun at all. Um, well, it was, it, they went over the top and it started to rain. Right. And then all these, you know, Cuss has a, a lead and these, and Haig's trying to catch him. Yeah. And it's, I think it was a Bookwalter at that time. Uh, Haig and Bookwalter were working together. Yeah. And I think it was Bookwalter that posted up a, a, a speed that was like his record. It was insane. I'm trying to remember what it was that he showed his, his, uh, training peaks or something that yeah. was his uh, speed of like a hundred, hundred and something kilometers an hour. It was, Yeah. In and, the rain. And, nice. In the rain. And, you know, you're risking your overall uh, pretty heavily yeah. to uh, to descend like that. Right. So Crazy stuff. But, no, it was um, it was good to see Jack Haig do well. It was good to see somebody else from the U.S. do well because Nielsen didn't have a great performance overall. It's been kind of a tough year, it seems, for him. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it was not a good showing for education first and Woods. Even Hugh Carthy would look kind of, eh, didn't look that great. Um TJ looking to switch teams didn't exactly end on a stellar performance. He's coming right into form for what uh, EF education first would, uh, looks like they require. I, I saw Pierre Roland today is no longer with Vettel. He signed with Vettel. Oh, they so, so he kind of yeah, I think so. So okay. he came in. You know, uh, Vodders was going to say he was the next great thing to, yeah. and he kind of got blown out. So who knows? Uh, yeah, TJ is such a a tough case. Um, he's still young. I didn't realize he was still in his twenties. So. I mean, he still has some time to kind of um, be, he, he has time to be, this is going to be a horrible comment. <laughs> he has time to be washed up twice. That's true. There you go. <laughs> so he's got to come back first though, to be washed up again. So that's true. Uh, you know, and I pull for him. So, you know, discussion about the next great American cyclist is always tough because I think there's a lot of pressure when you, you tag anyone as that. Yeah. But obviously Sepp Cuss has, a, comes in and has this amazing result and you're like, wow, you know, it could be, I don't think you'd, you write off, uh, Nilsson Palace yet either oh, at no, what, no. 20, 21. Yeah. He just had a bad 
couple of stage races. I mean, it's it his happens. first world tour year. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, you know, some of those guys go up there and it kills them, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not even able to do anything that he's even been able to do. So yeah. um, you give him a chance. Not everyone, as I know Kurt would disagree, but um, Bernal, you, you can't compare him to like Bernal because I think that guy is phenomenal and yeah. who knows what he's going to be. You know, I'll look what he did in the tour this year with the right. help. You can't expect everyone that's similar to be doing what he's doing. That's true. I, I think one of the other challenges is when you look at somebody like like Cuss. I mean, he can climb incredibly well, but can he do a time trial? I, I mean, that's going to be really I'm important. Not right. It's going to be critical for for the Grand Tours. Um, and we know Nielsen has a really good TT, so obviously he's he's still where the hope lies. I, I think. would even take a guy that's just uh, for American. That's just fun to watch in the mountains. Like yeah. the, maybe you can't, maybe, you know, Andy Hampson days, you, you know, any kind of climbing stage you're, you're in it and then lament the fact that he doesn't, can't time trial, but at least it's fun to watch him. You know, like Alp and some of his other ones yeah. where, where he's in it. So I, I don't and know. I think Lotto's got a good team for that. Right. If you just want entertainment and they obviously have got a couple of guys who can still yeah. put up good position too. Yeah. And, and less, unless Cuss and Nelson, you know, break out and are amazing and you have this, all this in fighting on that team. I don't think that's going to happen. Nah. So you're going to have a chance for these guys to kind of be superstars, I think, yeah. coming up in the near future. Who knows? We'll see how he does in the Vuelta. Anybody else? I mean, EF Education first. We can kind of go right into Colorado with them. Uh, they had a little better showing. Uh, Hugh Carthy seemed to be kind of uh, showing his form a little bit better. Right. But, uh, and actually, did you see the whole race? I mean, the only ones that were exciting were there was four days uh, around Vail on the first day, which is pretty cool for uh, the continent, continental team of Velo. Yeah, that was that was a really cool stage. That was the first let's one. Go, let's go through um, those. So, yeah, break them off. Go ahead. Uh, you not want you want me to do? Yeah, why don't you? Well, I, the first day was a circuit race around uh, uh, Vail, and okay. then we we'll go through the Vail Village, and then they have even a mile or one point five k of dirt. Yeah, a little, little kicker, and uh, there's a breakaway. There's a track guy. There's um, uh, Ovelo Gage Heck is up there. I think a UHC. And I'm trying to remember everyone that was up there, but there was four of them uh, coming down the last lap. Uh, he he being engaged attacks, gets a gap off, and then the other guys get swallowed up. And he just hangs out 20 seconds, 20 seconds, and he's just hanging on. And he ends up holding on for the wheel. And then coming into the field, you have uh, McCabe posts up for the, for the Did second Did he know place. that Hecht was up the road? <laughs> I Well, you expect when he's posting up like that that he knows he doesn't know that he's up the road. But right. then I saw an interview with him like immediately after and he's talking about, oh yeah, I engage and just as if he never posted up. It was, uh, mm. we can see it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the course I thought was pretty cool. I thought they yeah. used what they had really well. Um, it was a fun technical finish. I think that really helped Gage stay away because he was able to kind of stay out of sight for for greater lengths of time there. But it was a cool course. It didn't look like they had to go too far out of town to, to put it together. So it was, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, um, no, I agree. And, and um, it was good to see a Conti team uh, get the win and him hold on, Gage. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of cool. It collects all the jerseys. First day, big deal for Mike Creed's team. Young team, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they're all really Jason young Saltzman, a uh, local uh, NCNCA writer, yeah. is on their team. He did, he was not participating in that race, but then they have the Vail time trial, and we were talking about that earlier today. That's predominantly uphill climbing one, correct? And Starts they in the Vail did it village. on road bikes, and they did it on yeah, they did it on road bikes. Okay, and then the next day uh, was how that shakeout? Sorry, so um, Gavin Gavin Mannion won that, and Gage Heck came off he didn't he didn't be able to to help himself out much in that 
but you saw some, it, it's, it's one of those, especially at altitude up there, what, 8,000 feet, maybe a veil um, right. that it can really douse your power and, and kill you if you're not, you know, on the pedals just right. If you're not having that kind of day. So, yeah, the, uh, I, I found that one really difficult to watch because the, the coverage was really choppy right. and they weren't really covering riders. So I ended up tuning out just because it was, it's kind of, a I hassle. found the live feed was a struggle yeah. beyond proportion. It, it's the good old days of, uh, you know, rabbit ears when you're at least for me trying to watch some TV that didn't come in right. uh, when maybe when Fox was still first broadcasting on there. Uh, but it was coverage, out. which is cool. Right. And, and, but actually what I did get was, um, the replay, the replay, I would wait till it get posted up and I watched a replay and smart. it was very smooth. So I didn't have any problems with that. And they actually posted, they had a, a I use Roku extensively and they had a Roku app and it was very easy and slick and, slick and so yeah. not, not a problem. Um, then the next day, Denver, uh, go up lookout mountain, which we did as in, in college as a, a time trial up that, um, I don't know what that has to do with thing other than I've done that multiple times myself, just outside of, outside of circuit. So they go up there, then they go out through Evergreen, do a few climbs, come back into town. Okay. Uh, so it was a big, you know, out and back type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and up the first climb, you had three EF education for, you had Martinez, uh, Dombrowski and Carthy off the front with Squeens and a few other guys. And they were, they were only 20 some seconds back overall. So yeah. they had a chance to like take the lead and they were drilling it all day. So this is like within the first, you know, 20, 30 miles, they had on a break and they get caught like literally, I think it was like five, six K to go. So oh, really? It was yeah. kind of disappointed in that fact, but it was still interesting. And then the last day was this little circuit downtown. But I was, if you watch um, the race last year, I thought the best, one of the best races I've seen all in the last several years, especially on a domestic circuit was the one in Breckenridge. Uh, that they had last year with Sepkus just held on for like third or so. I think he rolled his tires or something like that right in the last thing. Mm-hmm. But it was it was one of those phenomenal steep little climbs. It had enough that just shattered the field. And it was really fun to watch uh, over and over and over up the same little circuit. Yeah, uh, They didn't use that this year. I thought Colorado was a little more boring than it's been in the past. Uh, but, you know, you got to race on the calendar four days. It's what it is. Yeah, and they timed it well with Utah where they could get a lot of the same riders two good races right. uh, within a couple of weeks of each other. Right. So you got uh, Gavin Mannion wins at his teammate Tetskov in second, Hugh Carthy third, Hausen for uh, Mitch then Scott fourth. Dump- so then you have EF education first, then fifth, sixth. So they, they, they did really well, you know, three guys in the, the, the three guys I just mentioned all in the top uh, 10, yeah. same with UH educa- uh, UHC, some rally in there. So, you know, good stuff for the, for some of the local teams, but uh, the the domestic U.S. teams, uh, women also participated. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, they also did four stages. I think they did different um, different stages. I believe they did the same TT, but it was cool to see a lot of local women in the race. So NCNC, local being our right local. local to to Northern California. So I think we had four or five. NCNCA regulars out there, and then I believe a couple of the the UHC women kind of originated in the NCNCA, but right. they've they've been on the pro circuit for a while. But yeah, let me pull up the the race here because I don't have it. So they convenient. did. And while you're getting that, I'll just talk real quick about the stages. So they did the same uh, circuit on stage one, a little shorter. They did the same time trial. Then they did little oval, and the last two were were abbreviated. In town in Denver, they're kind of crit circuit, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. 
And um, Katie Hall ends up winning the women's, and then we'll talk, let you talk about. Yeah, so she ended up getting just a huge lead on the on the TT. Right, Katie Hall did. I think she put a handful of uh, minutes into the rest of the group there, and I think that obviously was enough to settle it in for her. Let's see. They don't have any of these handy. Yeah, it looks like she put uh, 26 seconds into Leah Thompson, another 48 into Jillian Elsay, and that I think ended up being the the overall. Well, uh, Leah Lee Thomas was second, and then Abigail Mickey of Raleigh mm-hmm. third, Krista Doble Hickok Silence uh, from fourth, and then Jillian Elsay uh, in fifth. So like, I think those those you know it wasn't a a race for the overall in the last few days. It was just no. some minor placings. And I think Lee, Lee Thompson um, announced her retirement after the race. Oh, did she? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, on the local front, um, Ellie Velez was out there racing. She Does she actually have a team locally? I, I know she's kind of informally associated with Folsom Bike, but I don't know if she races for them or not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, she was out there racing with the Amy D Foundation, finished 27th overall in the GC, which is cool. Um, also out there was Hannah Moogie. She was racing with point S and, um, Melanie Wong was racing with point S as well. And, uh, there was one other Lisa Cordova. She was racing with AMD foundation. They all came in with really good results. Uh, it was just cool to see that they're getting some, some racing on that stage. I think something must've happened with Melanie on the last day. Cause she DNF'd the last oh, okay. stage yeah. and which is, I mean, not a stage that she would have trouble with downtown no. circuit type of thing, Maybe. especially when Ellie was like top 20 or something or so in that day. Right. So you also had just some other ones. Ali Dragu, uh, 2020, she was out there. She was 13th overall. Shana Palace, local, uh, Nilsson's sister, 2020. Uh, she was 24th. Uh, so good showing by those girls. And I know we talked to Ellie's uh, coach on Saturday. So the women actually had full TT bikes for their time trial. Oh, did they? And yeah, so they were allowed to do that. And I think that that makes a bigger difference, especially when you have someone like Katie Hall who can well, climb and she can time trial pretty good. Yeah. And you have a setup specifically for that. It's going to hinder those like Melanie, uh, Eleanor, uh, Velez, that, Ellie, uh, that aren't necessarily probably on their time trial bike as much. Don't Maybe not have a specific time trial bike. Probably uh, didn't even bring a time yeah, bike. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think Ellie even has one. So, right. you know, she got four minutes put into her on by Katie Hall, which at that elevation, everything, I mean, it's it's a learning experience and it's awesome. You know, when I was in college and then first doing racing like that, um, we were able to do some of those races, you know, against the the big pros came over. I think I've told this before. It was 95 or 96 where uh, the world championships were going to be in Bogota, Colombia. Hmm. So no one wanted to train there because... Uh, there was a little big drug war going on. Sure. So they came and they put on a big race in uh, in um, Colorado Springs, yeah. and we did the Air Force Academy. We did all these, you know, cool races out there, uh, like three, four days. And you, you know, Miguel Indurain's lined up, Broy Kink, all these big time stars from the from the World Tour, and it was pretty fun to just get smashed in the head by by some of these big riders that you know you didn't get a chance to race with before. Right. It's got to be a fun experience just to, to be in the mix with those guys. Right. Um, yeah. They're going to stomp your face in, but you still got to race against them when they were yeah. kind of in the process of peaking yeah. for their, for their target races. Right. I just, uh, just to be a dick, I want to, uh, <laughs> mention here, I'm watching the coverage. Um, so actually one of my former teammates, Jim Miller, who's used to be a USA cycling, he was, he's with uh, cycling peaks or trying to, sorry, training peaks. And he was doing like a pre-race video. 
it was horribly done. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault, yeah. but it was. Uh, it made the coverage seem really amaturish. And um, for Colorado, for Colorado, uh, I don't know if you saw those. The, I didn't see those, but it, it fits well with it, the overall. It felt production. awkward watching it. Yeah. I, knowing Jim, I was just like. Did he cover the stages? Like, here's where we've got to climb. So look for this person. Yeah, and he or was he was given some breakdowns of like okay. what power would be needed, and then they'd cut to Norm Alvis, former pro, yeah. uh, that was on the bike doing some kind of things. And at one time they had you know, they're talking about the sprint coming into town yesterday, actually. And then it's it's like a, almost a 10 second slow mo of of Norm Alvis sprinting and kind of throwing his bike. And just on a random road. It was it was it was just a two lane road. It wasn't the sprint finish, but that's too bad. Yeah, it was it was about as good a quality as I would do. Which, as those watching, hey, hey. we're on YouTube today, by the way. Hi, this is Nate Dunn from Daily Driven Athlete with a quick coaching tip. So recently in Northern California, we've been struggling with a lot of poor air quality due to wildfires. And really the best resource to learn more about uh, your current air quality and how that might relate to to your cycling is to head over to the website airnow.gov. And what I like about this website is not only do you see the current AQI or air quality index, but you also see a map of your local area that can show how the air quality might be different in some different regions. So you can decide whether or not uh, maybe heading in a different direction as a typical route that you might take might end up getting you some some better air quality. So if you want to learn a little bit more about air quality and how that can impact your cycling, you can head over to our website at datadrivenathlete.com and just click on the search box air quality and you can bring up one of our posts where we discuss this in depth. Thanks. Okay, so done done with Colorado. Uh, it was good to see the women going out there. Any other takeaways you have from that? From Colorado overall, um, that's something that I think we can kind of segue into is just it was, it was impressive to see teams like UHC um, in Colorado and Utah just giving everything they got, knowing that their contracts are probably gone. Right. Um, between them. Jelly Belly. Jelly Belly, Silver, all those teams that are going to be folding up. Uh, so it's good to see those guys trying to get some – get some attention on them right. as they look for new teams. And you know, that's uh, Tom Swerble was another one that did well in uh, not only Colorado, but he did well in uh, Utah as well. Right. So, you know, it's so interesting to see these guys cause you've got to be able to, you know, you, you're, let's say you're on UHC and you've got McCabe on a, as a sprint and you're a guy that leads him out. Um, you're not going to be showcased. This no. is, this is, this is McCabe that's going to get the win and get a contract, but you've got a job still to do. And it's it's got to be tough because maybe you want to showcase yourself a little bit. Right. I don't know what you do. Yeah, it's it's tough. Do you just kind of continue to play the team role and, and put that on your resume that hey, I'm a I'm a, I'm a team player, or do you try and get your your name out there a little more? It's I you know, and I know call. directors talk to each other and that writers, and so I would imagine that if you're a, a kind of the jerk that uh, just throwing it away to get yourself something, and it's a little obvious of that. Yeah, they may know. You know, right. the next team may know that, and you may you may get passed over for that. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But then uh, you win a race. So a little little tough to avoid. Right. Uh, any of those other? We had San Sebastian. I mean, we didn't even talk about that. It was a classic. Alaphilippe comes out of the Tour de France, wins that. With uh, Molema in second, um, oh. Bink Bank, Vuelta Burgos, Tour of Poland, 
Michael Kwiatkowski wins Poland. So I did. I just saw the results here, and I watched. Actually, tried to watch on the. I think Dylan Tunes won the Poland race last year. Uh, great race. It's a really climby, punchy. It's not long, gradual climbs. It's just these over and over. You know, two, three k yeah. type of things. And uh, it was a fun race to watch last year. And obviously, Kwiatkowski winning a few stages and getting the overall. Um, we know he can ride from the Tour de France. But, you know what's great about him? I think maybe you've kind of intimated this with TJ. It's he knows his role. Kwiatkowski, right. he's really good at these one-week stage race type of things, and he just goes in the Tour. You don't ever hear about, oh, he might be a guy that wants a general classification chance because he rides and then he just literally stops on the side of the road and yeah. then he wins these short race stages. Yeah, I think it's great that, not to say he knows his role, but, I mean, he, he knows where he excels and he focuses his attention there and makes himself available to the team for the stage races where he's not going to be a contender for GC. So I think he's he does a good job of, of maximizing his abilities. Right. And he can obviously do well in, in one-day races, having won Milan San Remo a couple of years ago. So he's got a, a good sprint and a reduced field. So he's I think he's a good rider in, in that regard. So we, we talked a little bit ago about kind of the next upcoming rider. So we already talked about Adrian Costa. But there was another one that um, American rider that you've you've ridden with. You were just telling me earlier today, uh, Arctic Stage Race out in Norway. Right. So we have another one that's been on the up and uh, up and coming. Tell us about what you know there. Yeah, so that was um, was that four day four day stage race up in Norway, and the kind of standout from the American side would be rally racer Colin Joyce. He won stage two, I believe. And that was a kind of a, a reduced sprint. It looked like maybe a group of seven coming to the line. He got a little box in with 500 to go, found an opening, and was able to kind of power through to the win, which was really cool to see. Um, as you mentioned, he's he used to race for Cal Giant, which uh, was kind of a NorCal-based team, and he'd come out to the Wednesday ride every now and again, I don't know, four years ago. So it was, it's cool to see somebody that you've been in a group ride with do well on the uh, on the pro scene there. Uh, but the other thing that was cool to see in that stage race overall was um, – Matthew Vanderpool taking two stages and I think uh, two stage wins third place in another and stage two he just absolutely blew up I think he was several minutes back so he didn't contend the GC but cool to see a uh, a cyclocross standout start his uh his transition over to road kind of like uh Wolf Van Art's been doing well I was just gonna say I get those two mixed up yeah. So Van Art was he the one that was in Strade Bianca yes. and and the Prairie Bay? Okay. And then yeah. um, Vanderpool was those two were going at it all season. I know and cross. Yeah. Yeah. So which one is the world champion current? Uh, current world champ is Van Art. All right. So he's obviously got a career. How old is Vanderpool? I think they're both in their young early twenties. So really young guys. And I think who's uh, he ride for? Oh gosh, Joker. Circus something. Know. Some oddball team like that. <laughs> Circus gambling poker. I don't know. Um, but I think he's still focused on not making a complete transition to, to road and I think has aspirations to do well on the mountain bike scene. So I think he's trying to kind of... I'm sorry, the what? Uh, right, exactly. You need a separate show for that. Uh, but I think he wants to win either the Olympics or Worlds in on the mountain bike. So I think he's just kind of feeling his way through everything. And I think Van Art's going to be uh, quicker to make the transition over to complete road. So, but both of them, it sounds like are, are gearing up for a cyclocross season. So it's impressive that they can stay that, uh, peaked all year long. I was trying to get some insight on cyclocross this last year. And what I was, what I came away with understanding, especially in the, in the Europe, these two guys, especially is they make a good living. Those two, uh, 
being doing the cyclocross stuff. So yeah, it's it's a little bit probably more like motocross. You know, you're you're specialized. You're you're kind of one off. You don't have to have so much team infighting stuff. And so they're these two are well known. They make the circuit. They win a lot, and they they get banked from being Dutch or Belgium. And I think there's one of each on the okay. team there. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so why would you necessarily make the move to road right now when you have you get to do one hour races a lot? I don't know. I, I'm assuming with with cycling being as so ingrained in their culture as it is, there's always that uh, pull to do the the big road stuff. Right. Um, it, obviously, cyclocross and, and Belgium go hand in hand. But then you add in things like the classics and um, Perry roubaix and all that. And I think that's got some appeal. And if you've got the ability to, to transition over and a team's going to pay you probably a healthy amount of money it, it's it's worth it to to try it out and right. obviously van art's done incredibly well when he's right. transitioned over and vanderpool's done the same so well but you, you made it sound like he was gonna go do mountain biking it's, you know this is 2018 not 1999 <laughs> and i don't know i if he's got the skill set to do all three why not yeah I mean, he's got yeah who knows good for him um i'm just not he sprints my- like a like a cyclocross guy or a junior his bike is all over the place when he's sprinting it's it's crazy to watch. Not a guy you want to be next to in a field sprint. Um, I'm going to film you sometime. Easy. A, a few weeks ago, I'm like, hey, Chris is sprinting like a junior. As I look over and a junior sprinting next to me like, like an adult. And I was Uh-oh. like, okay, well, sorry, kid. Where was this? I don't know. Impossible. Some, I, I don't remember you sprinting. Okay. okay. So let's talk about some uh, transfers in the world. Uh, there's a lot going on. I don't know if you've really... I was looking today at some of the, other, the transfer market, and some of these teams are just unloading and loading up, too. So, sure. Uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, obviously... Uh, BMC has just kind of sold the ship for the most part, with the exception of a few guys that have held on. Uh, so they lost. I mean, who'd they really end up keeping? Well, um, I was looking today, and there are actually quite a few guys that are coming on board. Well, they're they're picking up a bunch. They are. That, well, as a matter of fact, I have a few that I, I did list here. Um, they signed Simon Geshka. Of course, he puts on. This is the thing that cracked me up. He put on face uh, Twitter that he signed with BMC, and I'm like, does he know that they're now a Polish uh, handbag? I'm team. guessing he had to tag the current team. I could, could be, be my guess. Could but be, who knows? but either that or he, some, someone needs to tell this guy. He's going to be going. disappointed next yeah. year. He's like, wait, <laughs> what? You're paying me in leather handbags? Uh, Will Barta of the action, but he's gone over nice. to them. Um, Serge Powell's from Dimension Data. Uh, Guillaume Van Kiersbulk, uh, Wanty Group Gobert. Those guys all got signed up by CCC. But then I didn't mention some of the ones that were staying um, obviously Greg Van Avermaet and there right. was a few other ones. And it seems like well. they're really building up a good classics team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. These, these are all big classics guys. Yeah. I didn't see anybody that, uh, you know, climby, climby specialist guys. So, cause the, obviously it's the same team, BMC, CCC, CC, whatever it is. Uh, they lost Richie Port. He went to track. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's his name? Also from Australia decided Simon Garen's retired. Okay. About time. Um, Hey, he rode well, his bike a little bit. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. It seems like, I, and why I say that is because he had a, just stuff I was hearing on some Australian podcasts. He's like, I never want to do the tour again. Yeah, he gets thrown into the tour again this year, and he just he seemed like his his attitude and his mind were just like hanging on, and for whatever reason, like so, maybe he'll do the tour down under, and that's his year. Yeah, like Caleb. I mean, like uh, Caleb Ewan. There's another transfer, right? He went to lotto? Which, which lotto? The red lotto. The red lotto. Because they lost Andre Greipel, who went to minor leagues, right? <laughs> He's yeah. riding well, with... Um, uh, Fortuneo, Samsic. Yeah. Who Who's on there with him? Well, um, Warren Bargui. Well, yeah. And, and that's the only ones you know. That's it, yeah. So they'll kind of fade into anonymity there. 
Um, I think you think he'll look good in a white kit, though. I, I mean, he was. How many times was he in the German national championship kit? He was That's in that true, often. But enough. those are white shorts. Those are black shorts. Oh yeah, it'll be an interesting look. But I think um, also on the transfer side, um, Caleb Ewan's taking Roger Kluga with him. He's kind of his last leadout guy, so they're sticking together. Um, who else do we got on this? Trenton to Direct Energy. No, I'm sorry, Terpstra. Terpstra. You wrote that on the. T- I I I knew that. Yeah. Trenton went last year to uh, to Mitchell and Scott. Right. So Terpstra went to again. That's an odd move. I mean, you think he would have been a standout at Quick Step? I wonder why he would go down to Direct Energy unless they're applying for a World Tour license. The Fever said he couldn't afford him. Oh, and Direct Energy could. Well, maybe that's the, it's the only guy that they have now. I don't know. Uh, well, he got rid of Chavanel. He might have been uh, true. taking a salary that was a little unbecoming. Uh, yeah, and you know, he wasn't he the guy we talked about that no one liked him. That he was kind of a dick. Who? Terpstra. I've I've read that. Yeah, I've read that he's not a really pleasant fella in in a race sense, like spitting on other riders. That's right. We we had that. We had that in the in the races. Izaguri brothers. I saw her moving to UAE. From Bahrain, oh, okay. Bahrain's taken on a bunch of other people too. Um, Danny Pate announces his retirement from Rally. That's been kind of just lackluster since he came off of the World Tour, anyway. Yeah, where do he, he came from? Sky, right? right? Sky, and then you rally for a couple of years, and just I guess he was kind of road captain, but it didn't do a lot. Yeah, so it just kind of faded away there. My story with him is uh, when I first went out to Colorado. He was he would show up at the races and do the uh, the cat threes with his dad, <clears throat> drop his dad. I mean he was a little kid, but obvious talent and uh, that's that's my story. I don't know. <laughs> I like that story though. It's, no, we it's raced cool. with him too. Then when he was up with the Colorado cyclist, uh, who else we have? Jelly. Okay, talk about the the teams that are quitting here. Uh, before quitting teams, um, the other big move was Katie Hall uh, right. leaving UHC to Bully Dolman. So. It's interesting to see her her go there after her comments uh, post California. So. That's right. Maybe we'll post them in just down here. <laughs> she talked she talked about them being bullies over there in the. I mean, specifically, she right. was talking about that team. Yeah. So I think it's it's like Dan Martin though going over to UAE. They said they you know back up a truck of gold or you know money to him and right. yeah do whatever. That'd be cool to see her in in that scene and and getting the opportunity. So well, that's that's, that's, that's the key. I think you know. So what she goes there the bully now she gets to be with the bullies. You right. know, like you don't like a guy, a certain um, basketball player or whatever, and then he gets signed to your team. Oh, see, right, LeBron James. Hey, yeah, Le- LeBron James is now with the Lakers. So right, yeah. But I yeah, still um, like folding teams. It it seems like it's it's been a tough year for those Conti level teams or pro Conti teams in the states and and Canada with UHC calling off their sponsorship. And I think they're uh, they we fall talk- under the same umbrella company as Rally. Yeah, I didn't know if we had talked about that. No, so I think the the powers that be decided that well, why are we sponsoring two teams? Let's just do one. And who's the better of the two? Probably Rally. So let's keep them and, and kill off UHC. Um, now, what's interesting there is I, I don't think until the last two years that that was the case. I always had the impression that UHC was a notch above Rally. Yeah. And I think Rally's steadily gone up. And some of that was uh, based on Evan Huffman winning, you know, two stages of the Tour of California two years ago. And right. just kind of that progression where they... They just got a lot better. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot better and they performed better in races. And UHC seemed to just be well they'll they'll win the flat kind of crit type stages and they won't be around for gc or anything like that and definitely um rally was getting more attention with 
better performances. Rob Britton, Colin Rob Britton. Joyce. Because Rob Britton won Utah last year, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so they, he had had some good rides in the Tour of California as well. Right, yeah. And I think uh, even a couple of guys that retired from Rally had really great Tour of California um, stages. Uh, a couple of the guys won the climbing jersey or won a stage here and there. So on the bigger scene, I think Rally's done a better job of being the more standout teams. So. Right, right. They've, they've progressed steadily. And then uh, Jelly Belly, after almost 20 years of being uh, a, a team sponsor, is calling it quits. So it's kind of a bummer to see them fade away. Uh, they didn't get into the Tour of California this year, right? I don't I, recall. I don't believe so. Them. I think they were kind of a collateral damage of TOC upping their world tour status right. uh, as far as, you know, UCI uh, level racing. So, you know, action, some of the other teams didn't get in. Yeah. So bummer to see them go. And then on the same front, uh, Silver, which is kind of the Canadian equivalent of UHC and Jelly Belly. Um, I guess it's just a uh, a smaller group that that was the lead sponsor and they they've decided to call it as well so kind of a bummer to see all those teams fade away i don't know if somebody's going to step in and pick those up or if they're just going to kind of fade away and leave close to 30 guys up for grabs on the uh on the market or or how it's going to proceed right you know and and i saw online some people were kind of taking shots at you know like jelly billy pulling out but i mean like 20 years in the sport um they've definitely done a lot of good right and you know, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure they had their reasons for doing it, but it's a bummer, but yeah, you can't knock them for, for pulling their sponsorship. Right. Um, it just seems like overall there's, there's a big challenge on the, on the cycling front. I've been reading a lot of the quick step stuff and they're still struggling to find a title sponsor for next year. And, uh, Lefebvre is trying to like, I think use the, the Wolfpack name as kind of a, a good advertisement to, to lure a, a sponsor in. Is that a good advertisement? I don't know. I don't know. I think they're trying to market that as much as they can. But if if a team that's as dominant and is winning as much as Quick Step is can't land a sponsor, I mean, how how is a Jelly Belly supposed to get replaced or a UHC right. supposed to get replaced? It right. just seems or like Canadian Silver Team. Right. Exactly. Who's gonna? What's the Maple Syrup Company up there that can step up? I don't know. Uh, or a Timber Company. Um, it just seems like because <laughs> that's all they've got going on. I think so. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like there's there's a, a change in the model and something needs to be kind of shaken out to to change how they're approaching this as in, instead of getting these short-term corporate sponsorships they need to reevaluate what they're doing yeah probably i you know there's you know someday i would like to sit down with a sports economist and someone who knows cycling in depth as well and try to I just I, I know some of the solutions that we've talked about with some of these things. Just it doesn't necessarily work with the way the sport is. Right. And you know, you had talked about uh, you want to you want to start putting on races <laughs> where you just have two guys uh, race each other. Remember we were I don't know what. Remember we were talking about uh, trying to come up with new ways. Oh, to do things. the 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 Phil Mickelson Tiger Woods equivalent. Yes, yes. I think that'd be a good model. Right. That'd be like a a pill TT or something, but. It would. Yeah, I think they tried it with uh, Guyman and uh, Cancellara, and I don't think it was as big of. We well, have to do superstars. You have to do people that are worth watching, and similar, right? That I mean, yeah, that, that's true. The, well, not really. Maybe you want to see how a climber. That's like Bubba Watson and Zach the, Johnson. What you just talked oh, about there, right? Yeah. Like, eh. you just got to find common ground. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it, it just peace. seems like something needs to be. Be tweaked what it is i don't know all right yeah. we're not in a position to solve that no we're not uh do you have any winners from the world tour 
I got to go with, uh, since I get to go first, Sepp Kuss. I mean, he just destroyed Utah and kind of staked his uh, his flag there as the, the climbing superstar for America. Okay. That's <laughs> the, I'm going to pick Lotto and El Jumbo. Oh, come on. For, for the young guys coming out to Colorado, I mean, sorry, California, and doing what they did. Uh, I'm sorry, Utah, then in saying the right state. It's um, close. Yeah, no, but I, th- I thought it was very impressive that they, you know, came out a bunch of young guys. They had, like I said, one old rider and then everyone was really young and, and they did a good job. So what the old rider do, who was the old rider? You know, I looked him up once. I didn't recognize him. Was, was it Lars Bohm? Uh, no, I don't think no, he was over no. here. It could have been a name similar to that. Maybe we'll look it up and post it. No, we won't. Yeah. Uh, how about a loser? Man, how about just, uh, all the teams that are getting dropped and losing sponsors. That's terrible. I, yeah, that's that's a horrible thing. Uh, you're talking about uh, domestically, or continental, or world tour, or just in general? Just in general. Yeah, it, it sucks. It and just seems like the... I don't know, maybe it happens every few years. Who knows? It's Imagine if we were watching... <clears throat> like, football season is going to start. Right. What if every year we were concerned about... I mean, the Raiders fans used to do this, I guess, with their team coming and it's going. True. But if your team is going to be the Niners or the you know the Rams, or right? Yeah, it just seems like there is no stability. No, the only the only thing you have to worry about as a football fan now is is your cheerleading squad have a male dancer or not a male <laughs> dancer? That's about as as wacky as it gets. Right. All right. So what mine is EF education first. I know they can't. You can't. I'm thinking you have a team that's based there in Colorado. Um, and I know, I don't think that race specifically was set up for them, but even Utah, you come back from the tour, you were second in the tour last year, you've got to be winning one of these races right? and oh, you yeah. don't, and you, you put up a good fight and they, and they did, but it, I couldn't imagine a race that, um, the Wolfpack were like with a big team going in on a local level a right. type of thing. It's if you can anywhere adjust a weird, uh, similarity and them not winning. Right. I mean, it's just. <clears throat> and just getting not that these two are teams are comparable, but right. But if you compare it at, at, by scale, yeah, they should have been the Wolfpack equivalent in Colorado and Utah, and they just got stomped. Right. I mean, yeah, they put guys six guy or three guys in the top six, but so. And what, maybe what about Trek Sigafredo? I mean, they come out. To, uh, they're not really Tom Squeens. Maybe their best rider out in Colorado and Colorado at ninth. Yeah, I don't think they really brought a team to compete, though. It just seems like they're like, yeah, we're here. I guess. Whatever. Let's take a vacation. Right. All right, so that's kind of my loser. Um, let's finish off some of this domestic stuff. USA Crit Series. Uh, you want to break down some of the things that you saw there? I know I'd, we didn't really watch any of them, but we could just go through some of the results. I don't know if I saw it. We're still seeing some of the same guys. Connor Mullery, uh, Kevin Gherkins out in Littleton, Oliver Flout for the women, Samantha Schneider, Josie Talbot. Carolyn Bauer um, got a smattering of so Colin Connor Muller is from Broomfield, which is right next to Littleton there. So he actually got to go race at home. The other two people were not from local local riders. I, I did Littleton. I'm sure it's it's probably the same setup. Uh, it just started when I was still racing out there in the ni- late 90s. Yeah. Um, pretty cool old downtown area. So and I know they've changed that up there, but um, fun stuff. Do you know if they were doing all these as kind of Twilight-esque crits or some of them daytime crits? The, I think most of them are all Twilight. I okay. mean, I haven't seen one that's not yet. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I think, a good concept, too. It is. Yeah. Brings yeah. the fans out. Right. Uh, what about the benchmark Twilight in Westchester? This is a race? That's what you said? 
I don't know. All right. Corey Davis, first. Ton Givens, Frank Treviso, uh, Samantha Snyder again, Beck Wiesack, and Christina Clonan. All top threes there. Uh, so we got the overall. Dave Gutenplan still leading. And He's got a pretty big lead. And he does. Looking at how the points get distributed, I don't know if it's possible for the Cliff Bar guys to kind of catch him. I I don't I don't know. Uh, Connor is in second, and yeah, that looks like the total points. He's like three hundred points off. I don't know what you get for all of this. But right. uh, yeah, Gutenplan, he's been just racking it up. He must sponsor his own team. You think? I would think that's a this coaching bet. plan. Yeah. And then Zach Allison, Team Cliff Bar as well in second place. So uh, Cliff Bar still doing well there. Samantha Schneider of IS Corp Pro Cycling uh, taking away the women's. Uh, Tina Pick, Colavita, uh, Christina Goki, Colavita, and then Carolyn Bauer of IS Corp. So IS Corp, one and fourth, and Colavita, uh, second and third. And those one, that actually looks tighter. You got 1990 for the top and down to fourth, 1723. So looks like they still have a chance. Right. And I think they've got one or two events left. So it looks like that series will be wrapping up. And it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out whether it's something that was successful and continues on next year and they can kind of build some momentum off that and keep it going because uh, it definitely will draw some attention to the crit scene which is cool yeah yeah and i think the money obviously helps some yeah. of that uh i feel like i really enjoyed watching you know us when we we're all together streaming uh the one san rafael right and then um sometimes it's hard on a Saturday night to <laughs> find time to watch something, but I feel like I enjoyed it and maybe I need to make a little better effort next time. That's one of the nice things about some of the East coast races there. They take place a little earlier for us. Uh, well, I'm, I'm helping the wife out at that time. All right. So locally we had Dunnigan road race, which was the elite district road race championships. Correct. And how'd that play out? Did, um, you, go, did you go join in on that? I did not. I I'm really, um, I've been a bad, bike racer lately i think uh the last time i really did a race was i don't know nevada city when was that june Jeez, yeah, yeah it's been a while that was, really that was the last one i think so eh, I, don't I don't know i'm trying to remember my last one i think it was nevada city was it <laughs> probably <laughs> so district championships came and went we didn't participate but uh chris coble from olympic club won. um again a lot of this i'm inferring from kind of third-hand information or looking at photos it looks like a group of three got away with Kobol, uh cooper shanks from dolce vita and jeffrey bashek from davis bike club uh, the top three was Kobol, cooper and and jeff bashek so good for them uh talked to brian zimney a little bit it sounds like there were a few early attacks uh, little groups got away um, i guess two guys got away early took a wrong turn um, they ended up getting back on the group at some point but obviously their their lead was was quickly eliminated i guess um you know the course relatively well yeah i mean if you've done it I, i'm just confused about taking a wrong turn if you've ever done that race so if you're coming back you start the race you're making your way back toward highway 505 and you would make the right hander like you're finishing bariani uh-huh. they just kept going straight okay. and they had a motor ref with them yeah oh, i don't know well. if the motor ref told them hey turn around uh but either way um uh, also talking to Zimni. They didn't get lost on that long stretch coming back, right? The- I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> uh, take an exit too early or an exit too late. Um, but it sounds like Koble just kind of did like a roll off the front attack, not nothing too hard. And 
folks gave him a gap and only a couple of guys were able to jump across to him. So that's how it goes. So he's the district champion. He is elite elite. So he's also, is he in the masters, uh, in the 35s. I don't know if he won that, but yeah, he's a, he's a master's aged racer. I no, don't I mean, he won the 35 masters last year. We were at that race, right? Didn't he win that one? He won the crit. Yeah. The crit. Yeah. 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 So he is, um, he can, you know, wear different jerseys. He can. Yeah. Wear different races. Good Lucky for him. Guy. Uh, you know, I talked to, uh, Josh Carling last week. He came up from the Wednesday ride and talking a little bit about this race and they missed the break and then they're doing some work and, um, I don't know. It's, he's coming back from, I hope I'm not spilling the beans on stuff, but he's had some, uh, some health issues related to just, uh, a wreck a few years ago. Um, so he's still tra- with his headaches and stuff. So it's the one up in Gastown where he had a bad crash. Yeah. So yeah. I couldn't imagine, you know, having to go through that where you're just, you're getting migraines and you know, you're, you think the, the weather is bad, the smoky stuff. And then you've got to mix in the fact that you're just, you know, you're in a fog yourself. So yeah. Anyway, it sounds like he's, he was like finally doing some new things that were coming good. And so that's good. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, even with that, he's definitely been racing well. Right. So. Right. And, and, you know, he and I were talking about, you know, he, he trains more than I do, but he's still not training enough for, you know, a road race like that just hampers you. I mean, you're not, he's great on crits, right. still got that. Um, so a long road race like that's a little bit more difficult, but yeah, I think the, the big challenge leading into that race was kind of a, will it won't it actually happen because of air quality. Right. Right. And I think it ended up clearing up enough where the promoter was comfortable putting the race on. And for most of the photos, it looked like it was relatively blue skies, which is good to see. Yeah. Cause I've raced out there a few years ago and it was just terribly smoky and hundred degrees and it was miserable. Did you have any other complaints about the race? Oh, I have a lot, but what, what, say it, uh, 35 plus field just was absent. I think there were four racers in there, uh, which is kind of a bummer because that's been one of the strongest fields in that, uh, at that race over the past few years. So it's down to four racers, which is insane. Um, I'm guessing a lot of the guys that were in that field jumped into the P12 race. Right. Uh, whether to, right. Whether to race with more people or to maybe take a shot at the district championship. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the other thing that's, that was, interesting is is looking at a lot of the photos you've got a lot of guys that are kind of they've fallen off their own group and they're just kind of rolling into the finish and uh you know whether it's on the officials to kind of pull them out of the way or it's on them as racers to kind of get out of the way you'll you'll see a handful of pictures where field sprints are coming in and having to kind of dodge around these guys (laughs) and fly out over the center line and get relegated for going over the center line. It's just take it upon yourself to know that, okay, I'm not in contention. I can look back and see a hundred guys coming at me. I'm going to move out of the way and let them finish because my, my race is over. Uh, so it it definitely adds a, an unnecessary, um, element of danger and, and, and risk to a finish there. Well, and part of that finish is it's, it's a, it's not a climb, but it's an uphill. Right. So you don't just, coming to the finish and you're rolling in and you're going to easily stay ahead of whatever group. I mean, right. those, those groups coming up sprinting on you and you've been dropped, you're getting closed down quick. Right. And, and it's not a good combo. No, no, definitely not. I think there was one in particular. It must've been the, I think it must've been the, the field finish for the P12, um, riders. And they had to just basically fan out over the road to avoid hitting another rider. Um, and then in the women's field, Melanie Wong won the, uh, the championship, uh, Hannah, got second and Ellie got third. So good to see those three do well at districts and then jump right over and race in Colorado. Yeah. Which, which they, they both did. They all three of them right. did there. So, uh, then Sassoon was the next day. 
Sassoon. Ariel takes the the win there. And you said you got to see a live feed of that? Yeah. Um, Sean Bagley had a, a Facebook live feed going. I think it was the last three or four laps. And it looked like Ariel was kind of just holding off the field on a flyer. And the short enough laps where, you know, four laps to go is, is something you might be able to hold. But it's cool to see Ariel hold, uh, you know, maybe a 20-yard gap and, and keep the field off. So good for him to get the win. Yeah. And a P1 stuff. too. And he's another Masters racer. Right. Any winners and losers of NorCal? Of NorCal, um, good to see a, a Masters racer get the uh, the Elite District Championship. Uh, so it's, I guess, well, you're, a Col- you're a Chris Coble fan anyway. He races well. He I, gets results. I, I understand. How about loser? <sighs> Probably, uh, I I wouldn't call them a loser, but uh, no, that's the, not. The, the late the the turnout for Velo Promo races lately has been pretty uh, terrible. Uh, a lot of races getting canceled, 35 plus fields just disappearing. Uh, I would say, where's everybody going that used to race, but we're not racing either. Right. Uh, I guess we're all at our local race ride instead or doing stuff at home. So just turnout just continues to kind of dwindle. So and didn't they, weren't they doing like a GoFundMe for a few races too as well? I thought they did one at the start of the year just to kind of keep the, the ship rolling. And then they're doing one specifically for the Giro because there is, uh, some unexpected, permitting costs uh, to try and get the roads cleared out so they've got one set up for that right now i got an inquiry this week uh hey you know you, you, where's your podcast yet you know we skipped a week or so in there and then uh, a request to do uh some sort of breakdown or interviews about the lack of participation and so maybe some input from some people who you think we should talk to about that who might have some good ideas about where things are going and you know some of those questions that need to be answered uh, and, or even your input about where are the writers going? Right. You know, why, why are we not, maybe it's a, it's a supply and demand thing. We have too much supply of races. So the demand gets kind of petered. I don't know. You know, like, yeah, if you, if you only have 10 races to do in the year, right. you're going to try to hit all 10 races. Right. But if Definitely. you have 30, you keep going, eh, I'll do well, it next week. Uh, next week. I'll do one the week after. <laughs> right. I mean, from January until August. These are like first world problems. It really is. Uh, but from January to August, we really have, I can't think of a weekend where you don't have at least one race. It's right. just, there's <clears throat> there's so many that it's it's really easy to say, well, <sighs> I don't want to race Snelling this week because I got to drive all the way down there. I'll just do, well, whatever race it is, the following week and this week, I'll just do my local race Dude, ride. Dude, Snelling gets... They Snelling does get good field. Turnout. I don't understand that. It's, I think it's early enough where everybody's still kind of hope. Yeah, there. Well, there's hope and there's motivation to get out and race. It's still early in the season. People haven't burnt out. I mean, yet. not that I don't enjoy that race. I'm just yeah. it's it's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's definitely got its its mark as a classic. But yeah, I, I can see it just being um, a quantity issue. Um, we're not doing a good job bringing new people into the sport. So as guys kind of fade away from it, you don't really have any backfill going on. So you're just going to have numbers dwindle. And if you've got dwindling participation numbers and increasing races, well, you can see which direction the the numbers are going to go. Right. Um, I know we have a lot of people, you know, they always throw out the, uh, if you follow the NCNCA Facebook thing, they'll, they'll throw out, well, we've got this many registered racers. It's like, well, there's a difference between a registered racer and an actively participating racer. And yeah, we have a huge number of people carrying licenses, but how many of them are actually racing more than five times a year? Probably not very many. And so I think it comes down to trying 
figure out what what's what's drawing people away um whether it's an increase in in gravel events that could be it one of the things i looked at doing in october with with kurt was uh one of the grasshoppers up on the lost coast and you know it's already sold out it's like jeez uh when was the last time you saw something in norcal on the roadside sell out yeah when was the last time you worried about that field limit problem right that's why i thought oh we'll just do this grasshopper no big deal and no it's it's sold out and if you look at a lot of the the gravel kind of I wouldn't call them casual because they're they're incredibly challenging. But whether it's Grinduro or Lost and Found, um, the Tour de Plaza Roubaix, those things sell out immediately. So right. it's what's the appeal there? What's drawing people away from road to that? And obviously, you can't replicate that because you got to have your own thing. Uh, I've seen ideas thrown about um, to increase gravel segments in road races, and it's like I don't know too many people that are going to be excited about that, yeah. and it's going to draw you into that event so it's it's i i don't think you can kind of modify the existing races i think you've got to step back and, and do some deeper thinking like if if they were to add a gravel segment to modesto would that encourage you to race more than not i'd say no no because maybe those those uh dirt races are not so much races as they are rides and getting through them and you know there's only a few people that are worried about it and then you then you get an issue with dirty kanza where all right. the road riders show up and now everyone's pissed off and, and there's controversy. And so it's not fun like it used to be. And so, right. Uh, How dare you use race tactics in a race? What's right. wrong with you? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, it, Don't. I think Good it's, Kurt's not here. He'd defend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a challenging thing that, uh, I, I, it's not something that's going to be resolved. I think uh, on a small level, it's going to take the community kind of effort to, to pull together and, and get people back out to right. races. And, some of it's going to come down on promoters just having to reduce some of their their events. Um, I, I personally think it's a, a volume of races issue. Uh, there's just too many, and it's easy for guys to put them off, and it's easier to travel to your local crit that's going to happen every couple of weeks versus traveling in a couple of hours to a more challenging road race. And yeah, right, because, you know— you- every weekend away from the family is a bit much. It really is, yeah, and— you know, I think if there were fewer opportunities to race, you'd make those a priority and you're more likely to get out there. Because I think there's a lot of really cool races that I've done that are basically just falling off the calendar now. And it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, they're hard races, but that's kind of the way it goes. Right, right. So, Well, I've got some winners and losers for NorCal. Winners were uh, the one, all the, the females that we mentioned that went out and were able to do Colorado. Yeah. I thought that was really cool for Melanie, Hannah, Ellie. And you said there was another one that we were... Um, uh, Lisa Cordova. Lisa Cordova. Yeah. Uh, all getting a chance to race with the bigger team. So it's pretty cool. And uh, not just race with bigger teams, but I mean, they were in the mix. Well, uh, Ellie, were, Ellie was, uh, she finished top five on the young, young rider category. Right. And every day she was like seventh or eighth. And then she moved up and up. So, you know, and she was like three minutes off of that. So pretty good for her. Uh, losers, I would say air quality in Northern California lately. It's been a problem. Really we needed has. a wind, but then we need the wind was is not good for the fire. So, you know, <laughs> you can't it, was win. A, it was a double edged sword. Plus, it was hot. Right. And it was just a pain. Um, I also mentioned here, maybe I'll bring it up later. We'll talk about not in this podcast, but another one. Um, Davis, my I yelled at uh, I had a little argument with with uh, John Fairbanks. And I, the point I'd bring it up is that he handled it 
like an adult, which we <laughs> are supposed to be, to the point where we are good about it afterwards. You know, he looked at me. I'm yelling at him about something that I thought he he did incorrectly, and he just kind of looked at me and um, kind of ignored me. And <laughs> came up later to talk to me about it, and uh, it diffused the situation instead of like yelling back and forth. So kudos! To, I never called that out, and I forgot to say something because it was good for him. Um, I I really appreciate it. I actually thought he was someone else who would have deserved to be yelled at a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> A level-headed guy. It's good level-headed guy. Not. I didn't. I still say what he did in the race was not appropriate. But knowing who it is, um, I think it was all good. So we're good. We're good. Good job, John. Now, how about things that make you go? Hmm. Chris, do you have any? I any? just. I just had my little rant about racer turnout. Um, that's still going to be a, a, an ongoing issue. But um, another thing that uh, I wish Kurt was here so he could really tell us this story. I'm just going to maybe leave it as a teaser um so kurt's been he lives up in nevada city and has been adventuring off in the gravel roads lately and he's got an interesting story where he was running out of daylight running high on mechanicals and and kind of got his bike in in good running order in no time. cell reception no cell reception of course out in the middle of weed air territory right uh so he's making a a, a quick run back to his car so he can get home before Claire thinks he's dead um, and ends up having to chase a bear, it sounds like. So we'll, we'll leave it at that and let Kurt tell more about that on his next trip. Yeah, he had to make and, the decision of do I chase the bear or try to run away from the bear? And I think his, where the train was, he had to just go down. Yeah, because I think running away from the bear would have required him to go uphill. And getting dead. Right. So uh, I assume he's got other exciting tales that he can he can tell us about on his next uh yeah, we'll Visit. see if he ever comes back in. Uh, mine is going to be Taco Vanderhorn, a delicious win he got in, <laughs> in a breakaway at the Bink Brink. Uh, he's a 24-year-old Dutchman with the best name in, in cycling, Taco. I mean, that had to get better than that. Zimney uh, messaged me that morning and said, hey, Taco Wednesday. Um, maybe you have a name in cycling that's better than that. I don't know of one, but, um, I mean, that's, that's a winner. Is, is that his real name? Like his given name or is that just kind of like his, it says taco Vanderhorn and, and, and the, the, the commentary on it did not mention his name. So I'm like, okay, it's not like Superman. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a nickname. I just don't know if it's shorthand for something, uh, for something Dutch. I don't know. Taco. I don't know. I don't know, but um, that, that's that's all I have. So what's up ahead? We've got uh, Winters and Vacaville. They are happening. No, Vacaville's not. Vacaville's not happening, but right. Winters, oh, that's why it's in red. Yeah. Uh, Winters is happening. At least I, I paid him money already, so yeah. I'm showing up. Um, I, I paid the money as well, so I plan to be there. Right. Uh, then we have the Masters Juniors District Championships, state champs as I like to call them, mm-hmm. even though it's uh, north and south. Uh, Volta coming up. We have USA Crit Series Gateway Cup in September 2. Uh, the series finale finale in Atlantic City on the fifteenth. Uh, you have anything else that you know that's coming up? Mm. Wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm running through my head of the, the the next local races that are coming up and and that's left on the season worth worth jumping into. Winters obviously. Uh, I've never done that race before. I've always had good things, mm. so excited to do it this year. Um, I assume the Oakland Grand Prix is still on. That's a fun course. Uh, the Giro, I think, is going to be a go. It sounds like they're doing the permitting for that. It's a fun course. It's just really hard to get to on a holiday. Yes. Uh, it's really difficult to get into and race in right. downtown San Francisco. And it's always the day after uh, the Masters. Right. 
stuff. So for me, I'm just kind of like, oh, I've already been over here. Yeah. And we'll, then we'll make adventure. And then Henleyville's coming up. That's kind of the the season ender. And it's, it's a fun little road race. You know, Henleyville, I was just thinking about that earlier when you're saying, you know, some of these masters on Dunnigan joined in with the P12. Yeah, I remember doing that a few years ago. Yeah. And I'm trying to find the field to, to sign up to that has the most riders because right. nothing's worth. And so we did the P12 field. Uh, Kurt and I, and hey, both on the podium, by the way. Nice. But the problem you have there is like 25 riders. They actually threw the masters kind of in with us too, because it's like two of them. Yeah. And the problem you have is, you know, three or four guys start to jump and go up the field, up the road, and then a few follow. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm just happened to me. I'm like, wait, we're not the chase. We're, we're getting dropped. Right. That's right. <laughs> really what happens. So you, it was tough. It makes it a tough race and those things. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, Kurt's not here to talk about what he's mad at. And I think that's, that's pretty much all we have for today. Yeah. I, I guess you're mad at Kurt for not showing I'm mad up. at Kurt, you know, um, God forbid. I hope everything's okay with him. He didn't talk to us about that, but, uh, and like I said, I think he's, tidying up his his youth hostels so right, okay. he's got to keep things neat up there we'll forgive him we'll, we'll continue out this um so we're going to be out at winters uh maybe we'll i don't know we'll take the mic out there talk. it's always tough trying to interview people after we race but <sighs> it is i think we always have the best of intentions and then we do a race and it's like i don't want to talk to anybody right I'm tired right exactly and i race poorly so i don't want to talk about you winning right maybe we'll try to get out to that you know the end of the season banquet thing that they have Okay. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about that the other day. Um, might be a good time to try to recap with uh, some of these teams and, and people that actually get awards. Right. Um, show up there and, and see what we can do. Where is that? That's usually Bay Area. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the podcast will pay for it though, Chris. Oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All good right. Here. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us. This was episode 84. Um, subscribe to the show. Check us out on YouTube or iTunes and share the show. Make some comments. Join us on our Facebook page between two, the number two wheels. And um, like I said, uh, join us. Write some comments. See what we have. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll interview you someday. Anything else you want to say before we close out here? I think if people um, comment and participate, we'll try and uh, take on a greater effort to do this more frequently than semi-weekly. So it's a give and take. So we need some feedback. Gotcha. So um, if they don't really give a shit, then they're just not going to comment. Yeah, that's true. Whatever. So you give them incentive. Okay. So your inaction is actually action. <laughs> All right. Well, no, definitely. So give us a, we'll, we'll mention some, some mailbag if you guys happen to, uh, to make some comments. Um, other than that, Chris, I appreciate you joining in. We'll see you out at the race. Right? Yeah. I'll see you on the bike on Wednesday, perhaps. Oh yeah. Well, last thing, um, somehow we've got, uh, tagged into taking care of the Wednesday night ride out in the Folsom bikes. So we're keeping track of that. Maybe next time we'll talk about the debacle that was we, this yeah, last we, week. We're going to have to have a whole show about right. group ride etiquette. Right. Group ride etiquette. It's a big controversy. Maybe that's why Kurt's not here. Cause he's on the other side of that. Um, I think he's still feeling the burn there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so group rides, we got everything going. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, Chris Flower. See you. Kurt Mills. Hi. Tyler Young. Bye.